Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When I was in high school, there was this show on TV that I was absolutely obsessed with. It was The Deadliest Catch. Who here remembers that show? Anyone watch it besides me? The Deadliest Catch. It was this show about fishermen up in Alaska. And they would be fishing for King, Alaskan king crab. Apparently they're really good. Never tried one. But the waters in which they fished, the Bering Sea, were very dangerous. And many people among, are, are all around the country have ranked crab fishing in Alaska off the, in the Bering Sea as one of the most dangerous and deadly jobs that someone can do. Why? Because you face hypothermia, you face drowning, you could become crippled from a machinery injury, or you could die. So, I was enthralled watching these men go out into the sea after an hour's sleep to go catch fish time and time again. And what was so great is that I could maybe experience the danger that they had and yet stay comfortable with my blanket wrapped around me in my couch, maybe take a nap. And when you watch that show, if you have, and maybe you might watch it later on after this, you're going to say to yourself, these men must be crazy to go and do what they do. And for those of you who out there, out there who enjoy fishing, you're going to say with me, fishing is supposed to be relaxing and fun, right? You're supposed to maybe take a snooze in the boat and some calm, peaceful waters. But today, we're going to look at a story about fishing with the disciples. And the disciples went out fishing and they didn't have any luck this time. And the disciples wouldn't have been surprised if fishing on the Sea of Galilee would have turned out dangerous and disaster. They had experienced it many times before. The Sea of Galilee was known for a storm to come up. But yet, they still went out anyways. We also go fishing in our life as we journey with Jesus. We go fishing with Jesus. But the question is, are you only going to go fishing with Jesus in calm, quiet waters where it's convenient for you? Or are you willing to face the dangerous, choppy waters that may arise at any moment where Jesus wants to lead you? We're going to answer that today. We're going to look at the story that we've heard a couple times just right before here with Chris's message and the hymn. Turn with me to page 8. And we'll read John 21, 1-14. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved 
said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, with fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask them, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I'm going to start with verse 14 because it gives the context of what we're, the story that we're looking at today. This, verse 14 says, This was the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he's risen from the dead. So we're after Easter. Jesus has been crucified, died, buried, and now he's risen from the grave, from the dead. And it says this is the third time, so that means he's appeared to the disciples two other times. And this third time is much, much different than the first two times Jesus appeared to his disciples. And I'm going to tell you why. There's two key differences. The first key difference is where it happened. Look at verse 1. What does verse 1 say? Where does it say it is? Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, That's about 70 miles north of Jerusalem, if you know Israel. So if the disciples are in Galilee, that means they are not in Jerusalem. And the first two appearances, when Jesus came to them, happened to be in Jerusalem, in an upper room, where they were locked themselves away, and they kept the door shut and the window shut because they were afraid of the Jews. Even though Jesus had told the women who had first seen him outside the tomb, he said, don't be afraid. I'm alive. Go tell my brothers, the disciples, to go to Galilee because that's where I'm going to meet them. And yet the disciples didn't go, did they? They were too afraid because it might not have been safe for them. And so they stayed in Jerusalem. They stayed behind locked doors. And they did not go to Galilee. But here the third time, they are in Galilee. They're out in the open. There's no more locked doors. There's no crippling fear. They are there for the whole world to see them. The second key difference is what happened. So the first two appearances, all the appearances have fish. That's the small connector between all these. The first two appearances, Jesus appeared to them to comfort them to tell them not to be afraid, to show them that Jesus is indeed alive. And he did so by eating fish and letting them touch the wounds and showing them that he's not a ghost. He's 100% human being still and he's alive and he's risen and don't worry, I'm here. He did that two times, one with Thomas, the first time without Thomas, the second time with Thomas. Now this third time involves fish But Jesus wasn't using the fish to teach the disciples that he was alive, that he was not a ghost. Rather, Jesus was using the disciples, or the fish, to teach the disciples that they are here 
to go on a new adventure with Jesus. An adventure that will turn out to be the most dangerous adventure that they will go on, but that's good. That's good for them to know. And so we see them here in Jerusalem, not afraid, or excuse me, we see them here in Galilee, not afraid, not trembling, not fearing the Jews, but doing what Jesus says with their boat out in the water, waiting for Jesus, following his words. And they know it's not going to be safe, but they do it anyways. Now I'm going to tell you a little bit about Jesus, and I'm going to use C.S. Lewis and his book, The Chronicles of Narnia, well, the series, but the first book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Even though Jesus was alive, the disciples knew it wasn't going to be safe. And C.S. Lewis uses The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to teach about Jesus and about Christianity to people that don't know him and to children as well. It's about four siblings who've escaped London during the London bombings of World War II. And they're in this huge house and they're exploring it. And they find this wardrobe and they go in and they get transported to this magical land of Narnia where there's talking animals, there's an evil ice queen who wants to rule Narnia, and there's eternal winter at this point in time. And there's also this person named Aslan, this good guy named Aslan. And the, the children, the four siblings, want to know more about Aslan. So they, as they're exploring, they run into this family of beavers who can talk to them. And so the two sisters, Susan and Lucy, ask the beavers about Aslan. They want to know who this Aslan is. And Aslan in C.S. Lewis, when he writes this, Aslan is Jesus. Aslan represents Jesus. And so this is what the beavers tell, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver tell Susan and Lucy about Aslan and who he is. Aslan? A man? Certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the woods and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is a lion. The lion. The great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. That you will, dearie, and make no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. Then he isn't safe, said Lucy. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about being safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I think this passage in Chronicles of Narnia is a very good reminder for us. We call Jesus, and rightly so, the sacrificial lamb, our sacrificial lamb. But the sacrificial lamb doesn't communicate a very encouraging picture for us to go out and conquer the world, but it's perfect because it says, He took on Himself all our sins, all our punishment, everything that we've done wrong, and will do wrong. The whole world. And he took it and he paid for it himself. He was our sacrifice. But the Bible also calls Jesus the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And so when Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, he was our sacrificial lamb, yes. But when he rose from the dead and he burst out of that grave, he is the Lion, the conquering Lion of the tribe of Judah who is ferocious and victorious 
And he's going to take revenge on his enemies. And he doesn't want to take revenge alone. He will do it by himself, but he wants to bring someone along. He wants to bring his disciples along with him on this adventure. He wants to bring us along with him on this adventure to vanquish evil forever. When you think about adventure stories that you've read in books or have seen on TV or in movies, are adventures to conquer evil safe and comfortable? Do they always, are they whole, always happy the whole time or do you have to go to some pretty dangerous and scary looking places? That's what Jesus says. It's like following him. You're going to have to do some things that are uncomfortable. You're going to, he's going to lead you to some places that look scary and are dangerous. And he says, if you are going to follow Jesus, you're going to upset people. It's what's going to happen. If you are going to follow Jesus, he is going to bring changes in you. And that's going to be good because you can't meet him and stay the same. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to surrender that attitude that says, I will give and serve and love only when it's convenient for me. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to reach out to those people that he cares about so deeply. I cannot be a follower of Jesus and say that I am unconcerned and be unconcerned about the things that concern him. And so when we see the disciples here in Galilee, that's an excellent example for us to follow. Because we know that the way is going to be dangerous and we know it's going to be scary. The disciples did too. But they followed Jesus anyways. And even though they took a while, they were scared to get there. It's that same thing for us. When we don't want to serve, when we don't want to give dangerously, when we don't want to help others, it's because we think that it's not safe. We live in one of the most sanitized countries in the world. We are sanitized in everything that we do. Hand sanitizers around the corner. I think about Bucky's. There's a hand sanitizer in every single step of the way. We do things and choose things that I will only do it if it's safe. And that cultural attitude doesn't just stay in our culture. It transcends into our spiritual attitude. And that's when we have to start remembering that Jesus guides the way. So we can be too careful and take warning. Don't be too careful when you're too careful, that's when you try and keep your fingers at the controls. That's when you leave the boat tied up with the sails down because you're afraid of a little wind. And you don't go to Galilee and you stay in that locked room. And look, remember, look to the disciples because they did go to Galilee. And in fact, while they were at Galilee, they went out on the lake. They went fishing. That's what they did. And then when they were fishing, they, they didn't catch a thing and they came back in the morning and they see this stranger on the shore, and he says, you didn't catch anything, did you? No. And the stranger on the shore tells him, why don't you throw your net on the other side? You'll catch some, I guarantee it. For those fishermen out there, and for those of you who know about fishing too, or fisherwomen, I don't, is that the right term? 
When someone on the shore tells you how to fish and where to fish, do you really listen to them? No, you don't listen to them. They're not out there with you, are they? But the disciples find themselves listening to this landlubber on the, on the shore. And they find themselves putting their net on the right side of the boat. And maybe they're doing all this because they're remembering the first time Jesus called them to be disciples. The first time, it's back in Luke chapter 5, it's very, very similar. It's very similar. Maybe they're thinking, man, this is like deja vu. Maybe this stranger, could he be? I don't know. Maybe it's Jesus. And then, finally, they lower the nets in and they fill up with fish, 153 of them, John tells us. He counted them. And they immediately know that it is Jesus. It is their Savior, their Lord, their Teacher. And they recognize Jesus, not by how He looked like, but by what He did. We recognize Jesus by what He did. He died on the cross. He took away our sins. He made us His children. And He brought us into His arms to hold us eternally. And we see that. What He did, we see what He did in the Bible. And so, even though when Jesus leads us to places that we think are dangerous and we think are scary, and they probably are dangerous and scary. It is the same Jesus who we recognize by what we did, what He did that is leading us. And we might not understand why He's leading us to these places that are dangerous and are scary, but we can trust Him. And it's all over the Bible telling you, just trust God. He's got it all worked out for you. And if you go back to the Old Testament, there's a book called Proverbs of all these really wise sayings. And in Proverbs chapter 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Guess who wrote that? That was the wisest and smartest man who has ever walked this earth, King Solomon, who had kings and queens of other countries come and ask his advice. He was known throughout the whole world as the wisest man. And he says, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. So that teaches us something, right? That teaches us that we can follow Jesus by his love and trust him that he has all things worked out in advance, that he is going to challenge us, but he's doing so out of love. And he's going to say to you, I want you to talk to the coworker at work that has wronged you. I want you to forgive him or her. I want you to be a connect group leader even though I know you hate talking in front of people and you're scared of it. And you can, he's going to lead you to places and say, I want you to talk to that grumpy neighbor who's always mean to you. I want you to talk to him for me. And as he's leading you to these places that in our human logic seem confusing, know that it's all worked out for you in advance and that it's not going to end in your harm. Your spiritual harm. Because look at, look at what he did for the disciples. They came on shore and what did he have ready for them? 
He had breakfast for them, didn't he? And then he asked them, hey, you guys just caught some fish, right? Why don't you bring some of that fish and have some more breakfast? Was he asking them to go out and get more fish? Or did he already give them the same fish that he asked for? Isn't that neat? He asked the disciples only for something he already had provided them. He asks you for things He already has provided for you. So when you think that Jesus is asking you for something that you don't have, I'm telling you, you do have it. You have it by faith. And He loves providing for you. He loved providing for His disciples and He will provide for you. Even though the way seems dangerous and scary, you can go and do what He asks because He's already prepared it in advance for you to do. And we heard about the conversion of Saul of Tarsus who became the Apostle Paul. This same Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verses 8-10, through 10, he says, It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. That's the key. We are saved by grace. But our knowledge of our salvation isn't the only thing that we have. And it doesn't end with just knowing that we're saved. Paul continues to say in verse 10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works which He has prepared for us in advance for us to do. Jesus and God have gone in advance and prepared every good work for us to do. They made sure that we can do it. They set it up. They're God. They're perfect. He's God. He's perfect. And it's going to be for you, specifically for you to do. And so when you're thinking that Jesus is leading you to scared places, Remember, He's wanting you to respond to His asking you to do dangerous things. And when we respond to Jesus asking us to do dangerous things that seem dangerous in our human logic, we find new life. We find fulfillment in following a holier mission. We find that there are others out there who have received more help from us than we ever thought we could give. So one last thought. When you are facing those scary places where Jesus is leading you, and you're wondering, why are you leading me there? And I don't know if I can do it. And all those questions. Think about this. It wasn't safe for Jesus to come to earth, was it? We just spent six weeks focusing on all the dangers Jesus faced to come to earth and to save us. It wasn't safe for God to become human. It wasn't safe for God to be tortured, killed, and buried at the hands of sinners. It wasn't safe for Jesus to face God's full wrath and full punishment. But He did it for you. He went and conquered the most dangerous place. The most dangerous place. Hell itself. So that you will never have to face and enter in to the most dangerous place. And He did that out of love for you. 
And so when you're, by the power of his love, you're following Jesus, the, the great and ferocious conquering lion who's going to vanquish all those enemies, and he's leading you through dangerous places, you know that he is not leading you to the most dangerous place. He is leading you away from the most dangerous place to the safest place where you'll be with him forever. Amen.